0: series in 2nd Timothy. And I just want to take a few moments tonight before we get into chapter 1 to give sort of a a summary overview of this book. And uh, just again to throw out a little bit of a commercial, as many of you know, one of my goals is that when we get in a new building, uh, I would like to, in 12 Saturdays, so it would be one Saturday a month, So it would take a whole year. I would like to take everybody that wants through all 66 books of the Bible in a year. And basically in that three to four hours on a Saturday, once a month, uh, we're going to cover like five books at a time. And what we're going to do is look at how the book fits into the Bible what's the key verse, what's the key words, why is it in there, what's the purpose of it, what's the background and all that, so that by the time you would get done with those 12 Saturdays in a year, you would have a very good handle on every one of the books of the Bible. You would, you would understand where that book fits in, why it's in the Bible, the main characters and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of that tonight Starting out with 2 Timothy. Uh, one of the reasons why 2 Timothy is significant is because it was the very last letter that Paul ever wrote before he died. Uh, Paul knew that his time was coming to a close. Now remember, Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote this letter. We know that from chapter 1, verse 8, and other verses in the letter. But he says there in chapter 1, verse 8, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, a prisoner for his sake. We know from history that Paul was a prisoner while Nero was the emperor in Rome. And remember that it was through Nero that he began to really heighten the persecution of Christians. He blamed them for the the fire and all of that. And so... Christians were really under the gun uh, from about 64 to 68 uh, A.D. And Paul was in prison in Rome during that time. And I think that the Holy Spirit gave Paul uh, insight into the fact that he didn't have a lot of time left. In fact, then if you go over to chapter 4, verse 6, you will see where he says... I am already being poured out as an offering and the time for me to depart is at hand. I believe Paul thought that it wasn't much longer and he knew this would be the last letter he ever wrote. Now think about the significance of that. Paul wrote most of the letters in the New Testament. And now for Paul to be at a place in his life where this is the very last letter he would ever write before he went to be with Jesus, uh, that, that makes it significant right there. That's why in chapter 4 verse 21 Paul tells Timothy make every effort to come before winter. Because once winter comes travel becomes very much more difficult especially in those days and in that part of the world and if Timothy could not see his way clear to get there before winter it would probably be too late. He would probably never see Paul face to face again. So this letter is is significant in that it's Paul's last letter, and it is filled, it is absolutely filled with emotion. Because the one that he's writing to, Timothy, he knows that this will probably be the last time he ever hears from his spiritual mentor, a person who has meant so much to him, and the reason he is where he's at in his faith has to do much with, because of Paul's investment in his life. And I'm sure this affected Paul, knowing that he's getting ready to step out into eternity. And these are the last things that he wants to say to his dear friend and son in the faith, Timothy. So there's a lot, a lot of emotion here in this book. You you can just sense it as you read through this book. Now, the main uh, sort of uh, point of the whole book, as I've been saying, is really perseverance and endurance, as we talked about in First Timothy, Timothy just always struggled in ministry. He, he he would he would run up to all these difficulties and things and pressures and everything, and he'd just feel like quitting. He would get discouraged, and he needed people like Paul to sort of breathe into his life and speak into his life and encourage him and support him constantly. Because this young man just he just always felt such you know a weight that he just wanted to give up and just and just quit. So Paul's basically saying to him in this letter, you, you can't do that, Timothy. There's, there's too much at stake. And I'm not telling you it's going to be easy because like you know with me, I'm in prison. <laughs> it, 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 I'm not telling you things are going to go well for you, but what I'm telling you is it's worth it. And there are reasons to hang in there. And tonight we're going to see from chapter one that basically Paul takes Timothy back and reminds him of the blessings in his life. And the reasons why, no matter what happens in his church, no matter what happens in his ministry, no matter what happens in his personal life, and how he is attacked and persecuted and all of that, he needs to hang in there because he needs to be reminded that the blessings that he has in his life far outweigh all the other negatives that have come against him in his life. If there is a key verse in this letter, it would be 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. And that verse says this, you, however, must continue in the things you have learned and are confident about. The word continue there, obviously a key word. You must remain, you must stay at it, you must abide, you must persevere, you must endure. You cannot quit, you cannot give up. Timothy, hang in there. And I would say that's a great message for all of us. Because there's times in our life where we feel like quitting and giving up and throwing in the towel. And we need to be reminded that we must continue in the things that we have learned and that we are confident about. And obviously, we'll talk more about that verse when we get over to chapter 3. And then one more thing. If there's a key word, and it is one word in the Greek, translated as two in the English, that would be in chapter 2, verse 1, be strong. And do in the Greek language, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But but really be strong, Timothy, you need to be strong. And so the whole letter is about Timothy, I want to strengthen you. I want to come alongside of you, put my arm around you, even though we're at a distance here. I'm in prison, I'm about ready to go be with Jesus, but I'm going to send this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I am hoping that these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit will strengthen you, will revive you, will encourage you, will give you what you need to keep on going. And again, I think it's a great and timely letter for all of us because we are living in challenging days. And uh, as Christians, you know, we could easily look around at the state of the affairs in the world and in our own country and and even times the circumstances of our own life and we could get discouraged and be in despair and, and feel like giving up and quitting. But now's not the time for that. Now's the time for just the opposite now's the time to rise up and truly be a witness for Jesus Christ and the reality of God like never before. And so that's what this whole book is about. In fact, before we get into chapter 1 tonight, let me also share this with you as a way of overview. Remember, Paul realizes and realized in his own life that people turned their backs on him and the Lord. Notice he says in chapter 1, verse 15, you know, Timothy, that everyone in the province of Asia deserted me. They turned their back on me. And over in chapter 4, he tells Timothy in verse 16 of chapter 4, at my first offense, no one appeared in my support. Instead, they all deserted me. Paul knew what it was like to stand in a sense alone for God and not have the support of others in his life. And he's saying to Timothy basically here, look, even if it means you alone are the only one standing in your church, you've got to keep standing. You can't give up. Even if you look around and there's nobody else willing to stand with you, Timothy, you've got to stand. I know what that's like, Timothy. I know what it's like to stand alone. And then obviously he goes on to say, I never really was alone because the Lord stood with me. I might not have had a human with me, but I had the Lord with me. It reminds us of others in the Bible. And we're going to talk more about this Sunday. Who took a stand for the Lord and the Lord stood with them. You think of Daniel's three friends in the fiery furnace. God was with them in the fire and made sure that they were not hurt. And he brought them out of the fire. He did not again prevent them from going into the fire but he was there with them in the fire. You think of Stephen in the book of Acts, who took a stand for the Lord and was stoned to death, but God was with him in a special way. And people, even as he was being stoned, sensed that the presence of God was on Stephen and that Stephen was, in a sense, in this weird sort of place where he was being stoned physically, but he was communing with God spiritually. Over and over again we see this in the Bible. And that's why also then, you'll notice what Paul reminds Timothy of. In chapter 2, verse 18, he tells Timothy, listen, they have strayed from the truth. There are going to be people, Lord, or Timothy, that are going to stray from the truth. Then over in chapter 3, verse 8, he says, there are people who oppose the truth. And he mentions two by name, Jonas and Jambres there in chapter 3, verse 8. And then finally in chapter 4, verse 5, 4, he tells us that there will be people who turn away from hearing the truth. Stray from the truth. Oppose the truth. Turn away from hearing the truth. Timothy, it's not going to be easy, but you've got to continue. you got to stand. you got to stand. And what a great message for us today. Because again, in America and in this world, We who truly believe in God and want to live a consecrated, devoted life to God and who believe in the Bible and who believe in truth and who believe in right and wrong, we are a very small remnant in this world. We're not going to be able to look around and go, well, look at all these millions of people who are with us and supporting us and believe the same things that we do. No, we are not. We are a shrinking minority. And many of our brothers and sisters in Christ in other places around the world literally are facing suffering and persecution and even death, martyrdom, for their faith. And I believe that even though with the results of our latest election, I I don't see that that's going to totally uh, prevent us from at some point as Christians facing more and more heat from those around us. Because it's the world in which we live. And so what a, what a relevant and timely letter for us to sink our teeth into over the next couple of months. So with that said, let's go to chapter 1 now and let's begin to look at this great letter from the Apostle Paul, the last words Paul ever wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I want to just read the first eight verses because that's all I'm planning on covering tonight in our study, and I'd like to read them so you get the flow of what Paul is saying here as he introduces this letter to Timothy. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to further the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am thankful to God whom I served with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I remember you in my prayers as I do constantly night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that was alive first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am sure is in you. Because of this, I remind you to rekindle God's gift that you possess through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, a prisoner for his sake, but by God's power, accept your share of suffering for the gospel. That last phrase in verse 8 is where I want to start tonight. Paul tells Timothy, everything up to this point, he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, I know it's hard, but you've got to be willing to accept your share of suffering for the gospel. In fact, this is not the only time Paul says this, and it's the only two times that this Greek phrase is used in the entire New Testament, and both of them are found here in 2 Timothy. He says the very same thing in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Notice what he says. Take your share of suffering. He's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you realize that if you and I live for Christ in the world in which we live, because this world will always be hostile to Christ and to his cause and to the people of God. Jesus said that. Jesus said, why are you astonished that the world hates you? Jesus said to his followers, the world hated me before it hated you. And the disciples not above his teacher If they treated me this way, then you can expect that they're going to treat you that way too. Now again, in America, up to this point, you and I as Christians haven't had to go through too much intense suffering for the gospel. Maybe in our family relationships, maybe we've, you know, lost some friendships and things like that. But to really say we are suffering like many of the uh, our brothers and sisters in, in places like the Middle East and, and China and Russia and all that, we've never had to do that yet. But God always calls His people to be willing to accept their share. In other words, to recognize that in the 2,000 year history of the church since God started the church. So many brothers and sisters before us have been willing to take their share and been willing to suffer for the cause of Christ and for the gospel. And all Paul is saying to all of us, including Timothy, is be willing to do your part. Be willing to pay your price just like so many other brothers and sisters have done before us. Accept your share. Don't, not that you have to do it all, but but all of us should be willing to do our part. It reminds us of what we talked about in the book of Ephesians, where Paul says to all Christians in local churches, be willing to be part of the body of Christ and do your part. That's all. Don't have to do more than your part, but do your part. That's what Paul's saying here. Accept your share of, of suffering for the gospel. And obviously, think about how powerful that is. Coming from a man that Timothy knows this man is in prison in Rome because of the gospel. In fact, notice Paul says this in chapter 2, verse 9 of 2 Timothy. He says, For which I suffer hardship to the point of imprisonment as a criminal. I'm treated as a criminal. But God's message is not in prison. So Paul, again, made reference to his imprisonment there. And you can understand then again, how powerful this was to young Timothy to go, man, my mentor, my spiritual mentor, he was willing to go to jail. He was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to do his share, his part. He was willing to pay a price. That had to speak very heavily to Timothy's heart to go, you know what, if Paul's willing to do that, I need to be willing to do that too. He's not asking me to do anything that he wasn't willing to do first. Just as Jesus is not asking of us to do anything that our Lord and Savior was not willing to do for us first. He simply says, accept your share of suffering for the gospel. So in these first eight verses of chapter one, what I saw was that Paul was reminding Timothy to count your blessings. That so often, part of why we get discouraged and we we feel like quitting or giving up is whatever we are facing and dealing with becomes bigger than the blessings that we already have in our life. And we get our focus off of the blessings that we have and we get them on these other things and, and that then becomes the discouragement that sort of can settle into our life and bring us to a place where we feel like quitting and giving up and not continuing. So the message tonight not only is let's continue, let's persevere, let's endure, let's be strong, let's be willing to accept our share of suffering, but let's all be reminded in our own life. And obviously we've got to come up with our own blessings. Let's be reminded of our in our own life about similar blessings That Paul was laying out here to Timothy so that we can be encouraged tonight in maybe the fight or the battle or the circumstances of the situation we find ourselves in right now. Or that we will find ourselves in somewhere in the future. So the first one that I see is Paul himself. Notice, Paul is the one who wrote this. And notice, Paul is reminding Timothy in verse 2, you are my dear child. In other words, he's trying to remind Timothy here. Uh, remember me and all those days that I invested in your life, that I discipled you, that I taught you or you just does that did that not mean anything to you and and, and it's 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 like again, even by reminding Timothy of him being willing to be in prison, it, it's like he wants to encourage Timothy to say, look, be encouraged. I. I took you in. I took you under my wing. Don't throw that away. Hang in there. Do it for me. You see. And maybe you have a Paul in your life. Maybe you have a spiritual mentor or someone who discipled you or who solidified you and grounded you in the Word or, or just was somebody that you could look back on your life and go, I wouldn't near be the Christian I am today without so-and-so then Paul is saying to all of us, then count that blessing. Think about what they did in our lives to get us to this point. And instead of us focusing on the things coming against us, let's remember blessings like the Pauls in our life that we've had over the years. Who've made a big difference in our lives spiritually. And count that blessing in our life. Then in verse 2, he reminds Timothy about the provision of God. He says, Timothy, don't forget, God is flowing into your life at all times. His grace, His mercy, and His peace. And they're coming from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Timothy, don't forget about the provision of God in your life. God's grace is there. God's mercy is there. God's peace is there every day. Lamentation says, Your mercies are new every morning. Every morning I wake up, God, you got new mercies flowing into my life. You got new grace you're giving me. You got new peace you want to bestow upon me. Paul's saying, Count that blessing, Timothy. Don't ever forget the resources and the provision of God and how He continues to bless us and favor us in that way. Every day that we wake up, We wake up because of the grace, mercy, and peace of God. And that should be a blessing that we just go, yeah, God, you're right. Thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your peace. So he's reminding him of that. Then in verse 3, I think he reminds him of the prayers of not only himself, but others as well. When he says, Timothy, I am so thankful to God. And I remember you in my prayers day and night. Paul wants to encourage Timothy to be strong because there are people like himself praying for him. And we've talked about this, and it's something we always need to talk about. How encouraging and strengthening it is when we know that there are other brothers and sisters in Christ who are praying for us. And of course, we also know that the Bible teaches that the Lord Jesus intercedes for us, and that the Holy Spirit even prays for us, and we don't even know how or what to pray. The Godhead is praying for us. And if our brothers and sisters are praying for us, that should be something that strengthens and encourages us to continue and to persevere and not to give up. It's so important that we have people in our life that we know are praying for us on a regular basis. And it's important for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to take on the responsibility of praying for others. If you haven't done this, I would encourage you to do this. That sometime throughout the rest of this week, contact another brother or sister in Christ and let them know In some way, you're praying for them. You don't know maybe what encouragement that would be to them. Just to know someone else is lifting them up to God in prayer. Because I think if we reverse it, doesn't it make us feel good when we know someone's praying for us? And I don't know about you, but. I love the fact that, yeah, there's, there's a certain group of people that I know are keeping me in prayer. They, they tell me that. But what's really cool, too, and not to discount the, the people that are rock solid every day, but what's really cool, too, is when somebody unexpected or something just throws an email or a text or something, says, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you today. It's like, wow, thank you, God. Thank you. And I think that's what Paul's doing here. I'm praying for you, Timothy, night and day. I'm remembering you in my prayers. I haven't forgotten about you. And and can you imagine how that even made... Because here's Paul in prison. It's not like Paul's not facing some crisis in his life. He's about ready to go and have his head lopped off by Nero and go to be with Jesus. And yet Paul's thoughts is not on, oh, woe is me. I'm about ready to die for, for Jesus. His thoughts are on other people. He isn't thinking of himself in that prison cell, about ready to die. He's thinking about people like Timothy. It shows the selflessness of Paul. And the selflessness that God wants to build into our, all of our lives as we grow in him. To get our eyes off of us. Because there's always others out there that need encouraged. As well. And then I love this. In verse 4, again, you see the passion here and the emotion. When he says, I remember your tears. The last time that these two ever physically embraced and saw each other, there were tears shed. Because they didn't know whether they were ever going to see each other again. How precious was that? And how Paul then says, I long to see you. If if God could just give me one more time to see your face and Paul understood, I'm not getting out of here. So the only way I'm going to see you again is Timothy, for you to somehow make your way here. Come before winter. And then, he flows into this next blessing. And that is he reminds Timothy about his precious grandmother and mother who basically raised him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He says, Timothy, when you're feeling like quitting and giving up, think about your grandmother and mother. Think about the days that they raised you and opened up those Old Testament Scriptures and taught you the Word of God. And taught you about God. Timothy, don't ever forget about them. Now, a couple things. One, it's good for us to be reminded about maybe a family member. And you'll notice here in this passage of Scripture that Timothy's father or grandfather is not named. Is it because they weren't believers? It's very possible. It's very possible that maybe they had died even. We don't know exactly. We just do not know. But I know this. If they would have been a a strong influence in Timothy's life, Paul would have mentioned them, and he doesn't. So here again are these godly women who basically pick up the slack and they are a big reason why Timothy had the faith that he had at such a young age and followed the Lord was because of his grandmother and mother. So again, count our blessings. Especially if we grew up in a family that somebody in that family knew the Lord. That's huge. Now, maybe you didn't. Maybe you did not grow up in a Christian family and you didn't have a mom or dad or a grandmother or a grandfather or an aunt or uncle or anybody in your family who knew the Lord. And somewhere along the line, later on, you came to know the Lord through the witness of somebody else. Hey, that's great too. But if you do have a family member, someone that you can look back on and go, Man, they, they laid a foundation for me when I was a child. That's huge. That's huge. It's just like what even Crystal and those that work with our children here at the Oasis do. That's huge. And again, that doesn't take the place of the home. The parents are still primarily responsible. Not the church, not the children's ministry, not the youth ministry. The parents are primarily responsible to raise their children to know the Lord. But then to have the supplement of a children's ministry. I mean, I'm 55 years old and I can still remember my Sunday school teachers from 50 years ago. They made that much of a difference. I can still remember the the flannel grass. I can still remember the stories of Zacchaeus, the wee little man. The wee little man was he. And what's really strange is now I'm in this weird place in my life where now I'm singing those songs to my grandson. Can I just tell you Noah loves Zacchaeus? He just does. Probably because granddad loves Zacchaeus. But those are precious. And that's what Paul's saying here. Timothy, I know you're facing tough times. But remember me in your life. Remember the grace, mercy, and peace of God. Remember the prayers of others. Remember your grandmother and mother. And then verse 6. Remember God's gift. God has given you a holy fire inside of you. re Rekindle that fire that you possess. Let me say this. I believe all of us have that fire that God places within us as His children. But the important thing here, the important word here in verse 6 is really rekindle because you can't rekindle something that doesn't exist in the first place, right? Can't. The only way to rekindle it is it had to be there in some form in the first place. So in other words, a person who never had that fire to begin with, they can't rekindle it. It's just like you can't revive something that's never been there. That's why revival, when we talk about revival, revival's for the church, revival's for the people of God, because you can't revive something if there wasn't anything there to revive in the first place. You can't rekindle something that wasn't there in the first place. It's like sometimes over the years, even as a pastor in dealing with with couples and marriage counseling and stuff, sometimes I run into a situation where it's like I realize that I'm trying to, to rekindle something in one of the spouses that was never there to begin with. They never did love that person. They got married for other reasons other than love. And so trying to rekindle love that was never there to begin with, you got to go another Direction. Now I say that to say this. What Paul is saying is he's saying, look, in all of us, including Timothy, you and I, our fire, if you will, that God plays within us can burn down. The picture here in the Greek language is of literally hot coals, but there's no fire. The coals are hot. What they need is they need they need stirred up. They need, you know, mix. They, they need fan. The flame needs fan. The coals need stirred up. And then the flame will come back. The heat will intensify. So it's there, it's just not really on fire. It's just sort of warm coals. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, rekindle that fire that you have inside of you for God. Don't let the flame get any lower. And that's that's a blessing to have this fire to begin with. You see, now yeah, as, as Christians, we can we can in a sense let that fire go out because our lives we fill it with so many other things other than God that our fire for God and the things of God can wane. But the cool thing is that the blessing is that fire inside of a true Christian can be rekindled at any time if it's if it's there, it's there. And I really believe that's what God wants to do here at the Oasis because I believe that there are so many Christians. that God wants to rekindle that fire. He wants to light that fire and and burn it intensely for Him again. And we see that happening in our church. And it's encouraging to see. God wants all this. And I'll tell you, God's working on me with that. He wants my fire to be as hot and bright uh, for Him as it can be. Because I, as the pastor, again, can't lead the rest of us to that kind of a fire if i'm not on fire for god it's got to start with me and the other leaders of our church we've got to make sure that we rekindle that gift inside of us that all of us possess the next blessing is verse seven and that is his spirit And I believe that the translation of the Net Bible is right whenever the Spirit is a capital S because I think he again here is talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he says, look, don't ever forget, you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is not making you fearful. Fear is not coming from the Holy Spirit. Timidity and cowardice and a lack of boldness and confidence, that doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces courage and boldness. And you have that blessing inside of you, Timothy. So let the Spirit take control. Isn't that why Jesus even told His followers in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, he says, you go and you wait in Jerusalem and you wait for the Holy Spirit because when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. Power to what? Power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Acts one The Holy Spirit gives us courage, boldness, and power to be witnesses. And again, we're going to see this Sunday. Timothy was... He was a timid soul. He was one that would easily sort of back down and, and not stand up or stand out or stand forward. And Paul's saying, Timothy, you've been given a great blessing. You've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. He will enable you as the pastor and even as a Christian to be able to step forward and accept your share of suffering. Stand up for the Lord. Stand up for what's right. No matter what price you pay, accept your share of suffering and the Holy Spirit will be with you all the way. He'll give you the courage and boldness you need. And then one more, the blessing of God's power in our life. When he says, but by God's power, accept your share of suffering. If the power in verse 7 is the power to achieve what God wants us to achieve and accomplish in life, then the power he's referring to in verse 8 is the power to accept things in our life. And Paul is saying to Timothy, God will give you His power. The power to be able to accept suffering. Whatever that means. I don't know what ways you may be suffering for Christ in your life whether it's being made fun of or insulted at work or in your neighborhood or in your family or whatever. I do think of that around the holidays because a lot of times as we get together with our extended family, especially around the holidays, we may be the only Christian in the room. That's hard. No doubt about it. That's hard. But God wants us to accept our share of suffering and not be ashamed of our Lord. And we live in a country and in a world where predominantly believing in Jesus Christ and living for Him and believing in the truth of God's Word is not something that the majority of people around us buy into anymore. So it's really going to take us to be a courageous group of people to stand up in the society in which we live and say, I believe in Jesus. And I believe in His Word. I believe in truth. I believe in righteousness. I believe in right and wrong. Now again, we're going to get some crazy looks and some sneers and maybe a few, you know, words. We might lose a few relationships over it, all that. So did the people in the, in the Bible. God always calls His people to be willing to suffer. Well, let me give you a little footnote on that whole thing to encourage you. Because some would go, well, I wonder if Timothy ever did. I wonder, did he he respond to the words of Paul? Was he willing at some point to accept his share of suffering? Yeah. You want to know how we know that? Turn to the book of Hebrews. To the very last chapter of Hebrews, chapter 13. And look what the author of Hebrews says in verse 23 of Hebrews 13. The author says, You should know that our brother Timothy has been released. That means he was in prison. That means he was in prison. He was willing to follow his mentor's footsteps and be willing to go to prison for the cause of Christ. Not only that, not that we learn this from the Bible, but we do learn from history that Timothy also suffered martyrdom for the cause of Christ. Later in his life, he died for believing in Jesus Christ. He was certainly willing to accept his share of suffering for the cause of Christ. And God is saying to us today, through this letter of 2 Timothy, this very powerful last letter of Paul, before he went to be with Jesus, we must continue in the things that we have learned and are confident about. We must be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We must be willing to accept and take our share of suffering for Christ and His Gospel. And to do that, the first thing that we've discovered today is instead of focusing on the things that we're suffering or the things that are against us or the circumstances and situations that we are in, we've got to go back to all the blessings in our life. And we've got to focus on those things and remind ourselves of those things so that we can be emboldened, courageous, and strong for the Lord in the days in which we live. Let's pray. God, we thank You. And we look forward, God, to this study. I pray, God, that more folks would avail themselves of this study. Because I think it's just so key, especially for where we are in our world today. Christians, we we need to be courageous. We need to be willing to stand up in a world that Lord doesn't want to hear truth any longer. In a world of lawlessness. In a world that has total disregard for law anymore. We see that even with the demonstrations and college campuses and all over the place today. God, it's not about law anymore. Because we see that generations of young people who have been brought up without a knowledge of God and without a knowledge of right and wrong and without your truth, where where they end up. they end up with whatever I feel like doing, I can do. No one tells me what I should or could do. And God, that, that just takes us all the way back to the days of the judges where everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. God, that's where we are. And so God, I, I think you are giving us as the church and as Christians an opportunity to... Shine your light. Because, Lord, there's darkness. And the only way the people in darkness are going to ever be able to come out of that darkness is to see the light. And the only light, Lord, that's here is us. There is no other light. You told us we are the light of the world. Therefore, if we're not willing to shine our light then how are those in darkness ever going to see that there is any light? And again, that takes courage on our part. we got to be willing to shine our light and not hide it in the darkness. So God use this study to raise up a group of people, even here through the Oasis, even if it's a small group of people, God, that will burn so much for you And be so bright for you that God, we will be able to see you use us and our church to change people's lives and turn their lives around and bring them out of the darkness into your marvelous light. God, we so want to be used. May we be in the right place and position with you to be used. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, for being here. We'll see you next week.